Hey everyone, this is the Jade Marissa podcast and this is episode 27. I'm talking to you from Thailand about the good, bad and ugly in pop culture and sports in and around Thailand. So today's guest has an extensive and impressive career in and outside of Muay Thai. He has been a professional fighter on the Contender Asia, a fighter coach, manager of the MMA team at Elite Fight Club, founder of Rumble in the Club promotion, also a book author and many more. Here is Zidov Akuma. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank yeah, you for having me. I know you have a lot of experience and I've not said everything. So, you know, throughout this podcast, if I've, if I'm missing anything out, you just let me know. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from originally? Um, I'm originally from Slovenia, Croatia mix, um, but raised in Switzerland. Oh, wow. So I grew up most of the time in Switzerland. I'm born in Switzerland. I have Switzerland passport. I have Slovenian passport. I went there to school. Everything started actually there, yeah. And so you speak how many languages? Um, perfectly five to six. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, Slovenian and Croatian are similar languages, mm-hmm. but the Croatian don't understand the Slovenian people. And the Slovenian people understand the Croatian when they talk. So, so that's kind of like Thai and Isan, maybe. Exactly, like that, right? exactly. You can say it like that. Mm. And then German, because in Switzerland, right? Yeah. I was living in Zurich in the German part of Switzerland. Then you learn French wow. there because you have to. And I lost that a little bit because I don't practice anymore. Right. English. Yeah. I oh, so you learned English whilst you were there? No, I learned English in Thailand. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I learned English in Thailand. And I learned Thai in Thailand, of course. Oh, you speak Thai? I do understand. We say 60%, 70%. That's good. Um, if I have to, I can. Yeah. <laughs> when you're drunk, you can yeah, speak then, Thai really good. Then no problem. <laughs> then I speak the best Thai ever. <laughs> right. So let's start off with your fighting career. Yeah. So how did it start? How did you get into Muay Thai first or different martial arts or... And when? Um, I started Muay Thai very late. I was uh, first a soccer player. Oh. And I was really good. But with 16, my mind was in other place. Other things I looking to do, like party, drugs, friends, and not really into training anymore. Yeah. And uh, then at one point, I fell down in my life, like really deep. I was in a deep of my life and at that time I was looking for something to l- get my fighting skills better because I love to fight in the street mm. we had in the club fights and everything like really bad and I look for get my skills trained and uh, I went to this fighting shop in Zurich and asked where could I go have a look into mm-hmm. it and they sent me to this kickboxing school in Zurich and when I went there in the first class and I thought that was so gay. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know because I, I, I don't know if it was the class, the teacher at that day, but I was thinking, what the fuck are they doing here? You know, like, God damn it. You know, that's not what I look And that was for. just kickboxing. It wasn't a martial art. It, it was just kickboxing. So yeah. that shouldn't be like... Um, it was okay. just, it was, maybe it was me at that moment, but it was just really weird for me. And I didn't like it at all. And I went back to the shop and I said, Hey, I want something really fight, you know, like mm. 
little bit harder. And he said, okay, go here to this Muay Thai club. They are full contact. You're going to like that. And yeah, I went there and first class, I loved it. And I fell in love with Muay Thai. They pushed me in the first class, like in a good way. Mm -hmm. They teach me. They really, I was like feeling like at home from the first day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So so Muay Thai. Oh, I'm surprised. So like, so the kickboxing, maybe it was, you know, everyone lined up and they were like, okay, one, two, and everyone followed. Yeah. 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 So okay. it was exactly like that. You lined up with everyone and it's like left punch and like go back, <laughs> left punch and go back. And you do this for 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, okay, shit. <laughs> so are we going to kick or are we going to do something else as well? And in Muay Thai, it was just everything. We, we I learned elbow in the first class. Oh, nice. How to use them, how to hold my hands and everything. And I was like, that's amazing. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. So that's near your hometown back then. Yeah. yeah. And, and how old were you? Uh, 22. 22 so yeah. yeah a bit late but not not too bad not too bad not yeah too bad. so you said earlier like you got you went down a deep hole like you were what were you doing i was a criminal oh right so i i made i didn't like to work okay like my school partners at the time or people i knew they had all work right and i just didn't like that and so you're in like a gang basically like in a gang and we try to keep us alive like, we was not street kids, but we hang out on the streets all day, all night. I mean, a lot of kids in Europe do that. Yeah, but they're going home at one point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at latest, when the last train or something is going to home, they're going home. And we was not, we just hang out on the streets. Wow. And what about your, what about your parents? Um, of course, my parents didn't like that. Yeah. But... They couldn't do nothing because I was just my own head. And this was like after you finished school already? like They kicked me out of school, so I didn't even finish really my school at that wow. time. I finished my school then a little bit later on. Yeah. So, so at least I finished my school. Yeah. And uh, yeah. That's why you have like a lot of street smart and you can you think fast. Yeah. 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 No, you do. You learn a lot from the street as well. You do. I you think develop your skills in like things that you really want to develop your skills I, in. I think you learn more from the streets than you learn in school. Of course, school is, you need to be educated. You need to learn. You need to know grammatic and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But street school is something very important. You, do. you learn a lot more hustle for yeah. sure. Yeah. Wow. About real life. I'm level. sure. Yeah. Wow. So then... It's because you were fighting in the gangs, you wanted to develop your fighting skill. Yeah, I just want to get better. Right. <laughs> but then when you got into your Muay Thai gym and you found a passion for that, yeah. is that when you thought, okay, maybe I can make this into a career? Um, not at the beginning, mm-hmm. but then when I get arrested and I get, I go to jail and I got sentenced to jail and everything. Oh, shit. Yeah, I had to think about, okay, what am I going to do now? It's like I'm on the edge yeah. For a long sentence, oh, shit. very long sentence, or change my life to something good. Yeah. But in Switzerland, I was on the blacklist already. All Everybody was just waiting for me to do some mistake to book me in, you know. Right. And at that point, I just saw the way, you know what? I've been in Thailand before for a holiday okay, and nice. for a little bit of training. And I loved it so much. I'm going to Thailand. I'm going to become a professional fighter. Wow, that's what it changed your life. What, yeah. a, what a transition. That's awesome. So when was the first time you went to Thailand for your vacation? Um, that was maybe with 23. 
just a year. Uh, just yeah. Oh, when you were twenty-three. Yeah, oh, 23. wow! Just a year after after yeah, yeah. whilst you were really into it. Yeah. So that like pretty much sparked a light. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when you so then you came to Thailand around when? Twenty-four. Oh, like, you were, oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> just a year. I moved like I was I was fast. I was like no waiting around. Two months holiday here, a little bit training. Yeah. So extended the two months to four months. Then I went back. I stay a few months and I come back for two or three months. And then I moved and all this happens. Right. And I said, okay, that's it. I need to leave that's this good. place. It's so good that you find a light. And um, I'm sure a lot of your friends back then, maybe they didn't. Everybody. Yeah. My uh, dad, my mom, my pa- like my family, everybody was laughing at me like, professional Muay Thai fighter, you are too old for that stuff. And do you look these people in TV, how they are? They are ripped. They are beasts. They're going to kill you. What? What are you dreaming? Come on down, stay here. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah. But then again, you said like you're, you're a free thinker, so you just do whatever you want to do. Exactly. Which is a great decision. Yeah. Wow. One of my best decisions in my life. So you came to Thailand and then where did you go? Um, I went to Ubon. Oh, Ubon, really? Ubon Ratchatani. Isan, the north of Thailand, northeast yes, of Thailand. Northeast of Thailand. I started my Muay Thai career actually at Legacy Gym. From Ole Larsen. Wow. He was back in the days a famous fighter in K1, fought Buakau. And he had a gym up there? He had a gym up there with his wife. Wow. And yeah, I started my career there till I get called into the contender. Wow. So that was straight after that? Yeah, it was. <laughs> no way around at all. <laughs> I mean, I fought John Rimpara when I had 17 fights. Wow. You know, and he was 10 kilo heavier than me to that time as well. So. Damn. I like it. Yeah. And like before you, before we, the podcast, we were just talking about like how we get nervous before a fight, but you're just pretty much thrown into everything, it seems. Yeah, but <laughs> still, you know, I, I got nervous. I mean, every fight you get nervous. It's just how, what it is. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So then you decided to just move to Thailand, become a professional fighter. You were at Ubon at Legacy Gym. Yeah. How was the training there? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Fresh air. No distraction. There was a lake just next to the gym where we run every morning, one round around the lake, kicking wow. pads. Great trainers, great uh, ambient. And now the gym's not there anymore? It's there, but it, I don't know if it still runs like before. Right. But it's still there, yeah. Mm, okay. So so how, how long were you there until you actually went on the contender? Um, I'm not sure. I think a few months. Six months, months or something like that. Did you, did you get a few fights in before that? I got a few fights in. Um, I got a few f- tough Isan fights in mm-hmm. where I fought like quite high names there. Um, yeah, before I get, I mean, I was, I came luckily to the contender. Yeah. So tell us about that. Um, okay. They choose all the fighters already. Few fighters were in Singapore already, like mm-hmm. Arslan Magomedov. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be there. He broke his arm just two days before the show Shit. started. So they called Ole Larsen. In training. Um, yeah, in training. So they called Ole Larsen. Hey, can you replace this guy? Right. And Ole had broken foot because of his fight with Andy Sauer at K1 Max in Japan. <laughs> and he like, no, I can't, you know. And Stefan was calling him, right? Yeah. He said, oh, we start tomorrow. After tomorrow with the filming, we need one guy. Wow. Mama, mama. And Ole looked at me like, Stefan, 
I have maybe someone for you. And he's like, oh, yeah, where, who, huh? Like, yeah, he's out of jail. <laughs> and I'm like, man. Fresh out of jail, you know? <laughs> why you say that, you know? Like, like, man, come on, don't do that. And like, yeah, he's full of tattoos. And he only what I hear from Stefan out of, send me his profile, send me his profile. And four hours later, I was on the airplane on the way to fucking Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> man that's madness yeah so I was on the way to Singapore and I had this list who is all in and wow. I see okay Yotan Klein John Wayne Parr Bruce McPhee Jabbar and all the top names you know all wow. world champions yeah, hundreds yeah. of fights and here come Zito Fakou and then all the fighters are like who is this guy <laughs> hey I came to the lobby they was looking at me like who is that guy yeah like like, but I liked it, you know. Because they didn't know anything about you. They couldn't no study you. thing. And I see at some faces a little bit afraidness. Yeah. Not scared, but just like, oh, who's that? Mm-hmm. Because I guess like famous fighters, you already know what their style is yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. But you, yeah, not knowing you can, they, have, they don't know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, it was fun. So uh, how was it there in the contender? I loved it. Yeah. I loved every minute of it because for me it was a completely new experience. And did you feel like you were constantly having to prove yourself to the other fighters? No, because I don't have nothing to lose. Right. They have to lose. If they lose against me, they 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 are like, you know, and yeah. I'm in the spotlight. And yeah. I won my first fight against Zach, a little bit lucky, but uh, I won. Yeah. And I went to the next round and I've been under the best six, fight- six fighters with Yacht. As wow. winner, John Wayne second, John uh, Jabbar third. It's crazy. So, and I come from nowhere and I end up sixth place. So. And like, with, weren't they looking for a specific weight category? Or? Yeah, the weight was 70, uh, 73.5. So the most people, they was walking around 78. Wow. And I came with 68. Oh my God. <laughs> so they feed me. They're no. like, hey, whatever you want to eat, just tell us we're going to bring you. Wow, yeah. you like steak, yeah. steak, uh, just everyday steak. <laughs> and McDonald's. No. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of McDonald's. No way, that's so funny. Yeah. So like, did you get along with the fighters whilst you were yeah. there in the camp? Yeah, mm-hmm. I got along with them. I mean, I'm easygoing. But like, you know, the, you're living together and training together, but then you have to fight each other in the end, yeah. right? So is there a bit of a, like a weird dynamic around that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, that, that was a completely new experience, right? I, I live with people together, I start to like them, and then I have to punch them in the face, you know? Like, I think Contender made me professional Yes. afterwards, you know? I, I could be friend with you, but if yeah. I have to fight you, I'm going to rip your head off. Yeah. You know? Especially coming from, a, like, a gang background. Yeah, yeah, you know? So, this is why I also like Masvidal and Diaz. This mm-hmm. is why I, re, uh, I can relate to them, because we're coming a little bit from the same background, mm-hmm. you know? So... Street boys, street fights. No, it's true. Yeah, being a professional fighter, you really have to learn to just respect the person yeah. as a fighter. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure that taught you a lot. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And then, so you you fought against John Wayne Parr. Yeah, that was my second fight in the show. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I won my first fight against Zach, the local boy from Singapore. We had around the same fights. We was the less. Yeah. In the in the competition. And yeah, my next fight was... John Wayne Park. No one else than John Wayne Park. <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell us how was the fight. The fight was, I mean, f- 
first when I see John Empar fighting Rafik, I was like, oh wow, he's just a human. <laughs> he bleeds. Yeah. He's not super. I mean, he's been cut a lot. Yeah. He's been you know? cut a lot. Yeah. And uh, and I I I start to get a little bit brave. You mm. understand? I didn't have. I was not scared anymore. And I was like, okay, let's let's bring it on. You know and. Of course, he was better. He he's just more experienced. I mean, and he's also John Wayne Parr, so you know. <laughs> he's John Wayne Parr. He was heavier, and I think I made a good fight. I could get better, and but I'm happy with the outcome. I'm happy with the whole show and how I grow after the show and everything, and how I grow as a human. Yeah. As well, and that that's for me more important than winning any belt. Because that experience is just something that you take so much away from. Exactly. And even if I have interviews before and after that, the contender, I was like the most popular in the house. Yeah. Everybody wanted to have interviews and everything. And I always say, look, I'm not here to be world champion. I don't want to say I want to be world champion. I'm here for the violence and money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was my first thing, you know. But now I'm learning the culture. I'm learning everything around Muay Thai. Right. Now it's a different story. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> on the beginning, I was just here for the violence and get paid for that. You right. know, like come get on, get fired and get paid. Why yeah. not? Yeah, you know. But now I I I seeing the culture behind. I seeing the honor behind, the mm -hmm. respect behind, and now it's it's completely changed your life. Exactly. Wow. That's so cool. So, like, um, how did things change after the contender? Oh, that was crazy. Yeah? Yeah. Also, I mean, in Singapore, I I was really seen everywhere. Like, people want to do pictures when I was in Singapore oh, on the cool. streets. Um, I had a lot of haters. Of course, but then everybody does. Especially me, because I was the less in the show and the dark like, horse why why is this guy why i'm not inside and this I, i will knock him out and and promoters try to bring me to their events to fight their guys so i get knocked out and all Whoa. kind of, yeah that's a good thing though because you just get to fight and get money right look <laughs> i have 149 fights wow i lost maybe 45 of them that's a lot that's a so lot. i mean i lost every third fight something like that you know but still over 100 fights is, but, that's crazy And I also, mean, your career, you started late and your career was shorter. I didn't care about my record. Yeah. You know, I fought Baxter Humbey in America. He has one arm. <laughs> Nobody wanted to fight him. They called me up and said, Zidoff, you want to fight him? I said, listen, I will explain to you like that. If I go into this fight, I will get out of this fight only as a loser. Yeah, that's true. Pay me the right amount of money and I come. So they call me back on the next day and they say, okay, we pay you the right amount of money. So I was there. And he spinning kicked me in the stomach in the second round and he TKO'd me. And I was like, hated myself <laughs> for maybe two, three hours, yeah. right? Because I lo lost against one with one arm. Yeah. But then I got messages from people like, hey, this guy is world champion. He's like really top this, that. And I'm like, eh, whatever. I've you actually know. seen other, like a couple other fighters who only have like one arm, and they're actually yeah. really, really good. They train like crazy, and like yeah, they do a lot of this spinning stuff, but like they're still good at it for some reason. And they are in a plus because they are used to fight people like uh, normal, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. With two hands, two arms, everything. When you stand in front of someone who has only one hand and wants to fight with you, 
it confuses your brain so badly. Really, I was confused all fight from You're the like, first. Oh shit! If I hurt him, oh no! And how I say, you go out of this fight as loser. John yeah. Mepar fought this guy oh, really? and knocked him out in round three. Right. And people start to talk shit, right? So he was supposed to rematch John Mepar. John Mepar pulled out, and that's where I came in. Wow! You know. So I say, okay, I'm going to America. I'm gonna have some good time in America. I get paid well. I'm gonna have a good fight. Yeah. And people are gonna talk shit anyway. So yeah. why not? Yeah, it's an opportunity. Yeah. Just take it. Yeah. <clears throat> Is it filming? It's going. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so that that happened. Any other fights like memorable, crazy fights? Oh, there was few. I mean, I fought in Cambodia. Everybody who fought in Cambodia know that these are crazy fights, right? And you don't get matched up properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They don't want you to win there. No. That's it. No. And, but, you know, I was living in Thailand and I fought around the world. Mm -hmm. In any place I went, they don't want me to win. Because I found the hometown boy oh. most of the time. But then they, they, they bring you to do that. But yeah, of course, they, you know? they, they're trying to feed you to the fight. Exactly. You know, I mean... It, it is how it is. It's a business. But for me, it was fun. So you're, I, you're fighting Muay Thai and kickboxing? Or just no. Muay Thai? I, main, mainly Muay Thai. I had seven boxing fights. Professional. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, four MMA fights. So I fought MMA before all this hype about MMA came up 10 in, years ago. Where? Or the war in China. Whoa. Yeah. No rules. What's no rules? Stomping, soccer kicks, um, Headbutts was not allowed and no in the groins, but everything else was. Oh my god! Yeah, that's. Do they still have that? No. Right? No, or the war is not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like taking the ad out of it and just just call it war, you know? Street fight. Yeah, is it, Joel? Is it okay? Yeah. All right. You can use my phone if not. Okay. <laughs> so you said you've had a hundred over a hundred fights. Yes. Uh, any titles, any belts? No, not really big. I mean, I won in Samui the uh, stadium belt. Um, I fought for world champion title where I lost, mm -hmm. you know, but I don't have big titles now. Okay. That, that wasn't your, your goal anyway. I mean, everybody gets a goal to win titles at one point yeah. of his career, but yeah. it was not my main goal, no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, so you were at Legacy Gym, yep. then you went to Contender, and then after that, where did you go? I went back to Legacy for a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, there I could not get fights where I wanted to. I could fight in Nissan, two, three thousand baht. That's the thing, yeah. You know, that's not what I wanted. And Stefan made me the offer. Hey, come to WMC in Samui. Jabbar is here already. You know him from the show. And uh, stay with us. And I took the chance. That's true. Yeah, they have a gym now. Do they still have it? Yes. Is it is good? Full. Yeah, really? Damn. Yeah. That's They're cool. doing really good. Wow. Yeah. Even now, like, a lot of the Muay Thai gyms, we were just talking earlier, the Muay Thai gyms in Thailand are, like, yeah. not doing so well because the economy around the world is also yeah. not doing but well. They're but doing, they're doing pretty good. Wow, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Okay. So then you went to that gym, WMC Samui. Yeah. And then after that, elite boxing straight after that? Yeah, I mean, I lived in Samui for seven years. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did live there for a long time and fight out of the gym for a long time. Wow. And had... you could get good fights there? Uh, in Samui, I mean, 
On the beginning, no, mm-hmm. because they didn't know who I am, right? So I fought the tuk-tuk drivers around Samui, yeah. <laughs> how everybody does first, you know. But then when they see, oh, he, he come here to fight, they bring sometimes people from Bangkok to fight me. And uh, sometimes some really tough fights where everybody gamble against me and I pull the high kick and I... Like how long ago, like around what year was that? Uh, that was 2009... Eight, nine, oh, okay, 10, yeah, yeah. 11, <laughs> around. The- yeah, because, you know, I just had John Nutt on yeah, the show, and yeah. he said that he he was also around Koh Yang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him from there. Oh, okay. I know him from the island. So I think around that time, the the Muay Thai scene and fight scene was pretty big. Yeah. Oh, Huge. Right, that makes a lot of sense. We had Arslan, Mohamed, Mogamedov. We had all the superstars, Arvin Levin, uh, Artem Levin, training in Whoa. Thailand, living in Thailand. That was the best era ever. Yeah. It's changed a lot now. It changed, yeah. To I think to the positive because now we have more people joining Muay Thai. Mm, that's people true, that but... before didn't think about before it, it was very close market. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So crazy stories in Samui. <laughs> <laughs> plenty. I'm sure plenty. How, mean, how about within your gym? You're within your Pure circle. Um, in the gym, crazy stories. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that you're able to share. <laughs> there is plenty, but um, no, of course, what was always fun um, when we had the Russian national team over and our team, they get always in sparring, you know, it's like, oh hey, like sparring. God. And then it's like 99.9% killing each other <laughs> in the ring. And all the trainers are like, ba-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, ba ba cha Slowly, slowly. And then you need to separate them. They want to kill each other for the next two hours. And, and that that's for sure always crazy. I can imagine. Um, especially in Samui, we had, we had a fight team, right? We had a fight team from maybe 10 people mm. with the ties together. And we had a lot of tourists. And tourists, they're crazy, you know? They come, they... Train, then they drink, of course. then they go on a rampage, and then they do all kind of crazy stuff, you know, like climbing <laughs> on the trees in the gym and falling down and or running naked with only the belt around the waist, you know, outside the gym in the middle of the night, and it happened. It I'm happened. sure it does, yeah. Drunk, drunk tourists like to go all wild. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's so funny. And any fights outside of the gym, like on the street, street fights happen? It happened. Yeah? It happened. I'm sure people want to test you because they know that you're from a Muay Thai gym, so people want to try. They want to test you, and especially tourists, they don't have, um, they get drunk. They don't have respect. Yes. They come here, they think they are the heroes sometimes. Yeah. And even if you try to avoid a fight, Mm -hmm. you get dragged into a fight sometimes. I'm sure, yeah. And Uh, that is the time when you have to protect yourself. In Phuket, when you go to the clubs, they don't let you wear the shirt from the Muay Thai gym. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Fair enough. You know, like, oh, you have a Muay Thai shirt. Already the start, like, "Mm." you know, like, okay, just look at me, strange. (laughs) Humans are horrible. (laughs) You know, you're just wearing a shirt and they want to start a fight with you. Yeah. In Europe, it's like that. You know, like, oh, you're wearing a Muay Thai shirt? Oh, a fight shirt? Oh, you think you're something special? Eh? Oh, you're brave. And, and really? Yeah. Damn. I mean, I know it happens with soccer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so after Samui, you were there for seven years. I was there seven years. Yeah. Then you went to Elite Boxing. Um, then I went to Bangkok. I wanted to open my own gym, mm. but uh, something came between with my investors and the guy who sell who sold the gym at that time. Mm-hmm. And then I fought for Elite Boxing before already. I fought Antoine Pinto in Dubai. Oh wow! Yeah, for Elite Boxing. And um, then I talked to Tolly. He was the owner at that time mm-hmm. of Elite Boxing. If I could come join them, and he's like, "Bro, you welcome anytime. You know that." That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Tolly's a cool guy. Very cool. But yeah, so the Elite Boxing fights, like, yeah, they used to have a lot back in the day. Yeah. And now, what, what's happened? Um, now, Tolly's a little bit into Bitcoin and a little <laughs> bit into that, and try to bring Bitcoin into martial arts. You know this. I heard this from another party as yeah. well. They're trying to do like a Muay Thai coin. Exactly. They work. I think they're working something on, on the martial art coin mm. somewhere. So he's very busy with, with his stuff. And, you know, when you're busy with something, you lose time for the other thing. Yeah, that's true. And uh, But uh, there will be events again There'll in the near future, in 220. And they have events only in Asia or in other places? No, we had in around the world, in Europe, in America, in Brazil. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can follow that on Elite Boxing TV. Elite Boxing TV. And yes. were you involved in the promotions? Um, I was helping them out. I mean, Tolly is the head of everything right. with his business partner. Um, I was just always involved in mm-hmm. it and always helped them out. That's a good thing. So you can always learn. As you do I was that. a commentator one night. Oh. I was uh, I was helping the fighters that one night. So I was a little bit all-rounder. Right. What I actually like to do because I like to learn about doing events already early days and this is why i did also my dj fight night here in bangkok yeah we'll get into that we'll get into that yeah okay so elite boxing you're helping with the you were you were a fighter for them yeah and then you help with the promotions yeah. a little bit and then like you you did coaching are you still doing now i am still coaching you still coach? yes oh I, mma um no i do the muay thai and mma um just the stand up yeah striking right of course we have the ties they're doing the classes, they are they're doing their thing, mm-hmm. and I support them. If they are too, uh, if there are too many people in the gym, yeah. I hold pets for them. I'm just an all-rounder in the gym. And you said you got into MMA before. We, where were you training? Uh, we have an MMA area in the gym. Oh, you were training. We, so when you fought MMA, you were training at Elite Boxing? No, when I fought the MMA, I was still in Samui back in the days. One, one. And you were training MMA? Yeah, with Jabba, wrestling. Just, just you guys wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> well. He comes from the wrestling background, you know. Oh, he he's, a... he's from Dagestan, right? Like Khabib, right? Okay. There, where you start, you start with wrestling. Everybody wow. wrestles there, and I, re- I remember I got in a big fight with Jabbar <gasps> before I fought Adrian Pang in Australia. And Adrian Pang is now a one FC fighter. Yeah. And, and I fought Adrian as my second MMA fight. So Damn. I jump into the cage of lions. With uh, everything you do, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I trained with Jabara wrestling and he slammed me at one day and we get in a heated argument and we really had a street fight. He punched me, I punched him and we start to get till the trainers came and uh, and we was like, we wanted to kill each other for that second. and But then uh, after a few days, he texted me and he said, you want to talk to me? And we are brothers, you know, like it happened. We talked, he apologized, and move on. That's a good way of uh, fighting and making up, you know, like just 
go out, go, go out there, punch each other in the face a few times, and then you can be friends after. Listen, as hard as sounds and as brutal as sounds, but sometimes we need that. Yeah. You know, if you if you don't agree and you're really in a that argument, okay, punch each other in the face. Don't don't stamp, don't, you know, there is rules. Mm-hmm. And hug each other after that and be friends, you know. I think it's true because when you're in a fight, you're putting in, you're putting so much energy and so yeah. much into it that when you finish, you're like, oh shit, that was exhausting. Yeah. Right? And then you kind of respect the person yeah. for doing that as yeah. well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I see so. That's so funny. Um, so you lived in Singapore a bit, did you? Only for the show. Oh, only for the show. Yeah. Only for the show. And mm. because uh, I know that you have a daughter. Yeah. She's, Singa- half she's Singaporean. She's half Singaporean. Yeah. And I'm sure that also changed your life as well. Yes. Coming a daughter. Yes. I mean, um, that's that's the beautiful thing in the world. I know that a lot of people in Muay Thai, like guys in Muay Thai have daughters. I don't know why. <laughs> it's true. Stefan has a daughter. My dad. You know, like a lot of champak, a lot of the fans. I want to say like that. In my country, they say playboys get daughters. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. So definitely. my brother has two. Oh wow! I have one. You know, like we're producing only girls. You like know? a lot of my Muay Thai fighters, like who have kids, they all have daughters. Yeah, it's so weird. But maybe I think it's a good thing because I think we will punish our sons. Go in the gym, go fight, do this, and they maybe don't want. You know, and yeah. So I'm I'm very happy with my daughter. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's just Thank modeling, you. right? Yeah. Um, I think maybe having a daughter also makes you a bit more softer as well, which yeah. is a good thing. Yeah. It's not always good to like yeah, this be, why, the, be the tough guy all the time. <laughs> yeah, this is why I posted I posted not not long ago on my Facebook a meme where a tattooed guy takes a fake handy from a kid and it says like, you can be the biggest gangster in the world, but when a kid hands you a toy phone, you answer it. <laughs> You know, and and that that's it. That's so cute. You know? It is like that. All right. So, so as you said before, you did the uh, rumble in the club, mm-hmm. and at the same time, you were doing DJing as well. Mm-hmm. So, what came first? DJing. Oh, DJing. Yeah. So I injured my knee, mm. so I stopped fighting, and uh, I focused on training. But only training was boring for me. Yeah. Right? Sure. Every day, only training. So. My hobby was before DJing already as a kid, as a young oh, child wow. at home, scratching on vinyl and all that stuff. Wow. And I got it back here in Asia, but I changed my music style from hip hop to house. Right. So I enjoyed house. I, I learned playing house music. I enjoyed really the time as a DJ. Mm-hmm. But it's that's that's another crazy world, you know, like and I was not sure if I can handle another crazy Time. It is a crazy one. You know, because, okay, from being a Muay Thai fighter, being healthy, this, that, from being a drug drug addicted. Yeah. You know, like drinking alcohol, taking drugs, uh, you know, and it's like one extreme to the other. Yeah, but then you did it anyway. For a while. For a while. Uh So, um, so you were doing house DJing, house music. Where, where, what, what? Um, I did um, Soy 11 Q-Bar oh, when wow. Q-Bar was yeah. still here. I did uh, Wax Above Sugar when it was still open. I did a few big events in life, RCA. Wow. Um, I did pool parties mainly back Sunday, uh, Sunset Session. Um, yeah, that was my main. Osc- I did DJ in Oscar a wow. few times. 
Are all these places here anymore? Yeah, yeah. They still going. Okay. I know, I know them back from back in the day, so I recognize those ones. If you tell me the ones now, I'm like, they still going. Okay. They're still going. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Rumble in the club. Mm-hmm. How did this even begin? Uh, like, what sparked your mind to like, oh, like, let's just have the DJs to fight each other? Yeah. Um. I was one night in live RCA mm. with the owner Patrice and one party organi- organizer from Germany. And we had like talk how we could make this uh, place more busy because it had a lack of people. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, they told me all kind of ideas instead of we can do this, we can do that. You can do a fight night inside here. And somehow one said, Hey, we should let all the DJ fight each other. And we look at him like, you are the smartest genius on earth. We should do that. But then at the first, they all stopped because they think nobody's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? But in back in my mind, I had this still going on. And I already bite on that idea. Right, right. So I wanted to do it. Yeah, right? yeah. So I talked with a few DJs and asked them, uh, will they be interested? I sponsored them training. Mm-hmm. I teach them and then fight after five weeks training. And Alex Fisher straight away jump on, Matteo Ina jump on, Dan Buri, all the house yeah, DJs, yeah, yeah. they jump on, you know, like, like sweet. So I went to the hip hop DJs and they're like, nah, you don't want that. Like, <laughs> and like, what? You, you playing gangster music, talking about headbutting each other, but... You don't want to fucking get the balls in the ring? <laughs> nah. So I had only house DJs fighting? Yeah, yeah, it was only house DJs. Only house DJs. Yeah, now I remember. Yeah, Danbury, yeah. Danbury was fun. That's so fun. Tech Harrington, yeah, he was they, so fun. They got so into it as well. They trained. Yeah. And they got into it. And it was the best. I think it was one of the best events in Bangkok. Like, fun events. Yeah. I mean, I had... I had Stefan Fox there, you know, <laughs> I had managers there, presidents from different federations because they was here at that time as oh, well. Okay. So they was all guests. Wow. Right. And they loved, I had on my live stream on Facebook, I think over 2000 people watching it live. Wow. What is like really good. Mm-hmm. And I made rumble in the club one and two. And then I wanted to do the third, but the DJs, they don't want it anymore. Like, they're like, oh, no, we don't want it anymore. It hurts, it hurts. It hurts, yeah. Like, and we don't get paid for that, so no. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, they ask me, hey, we want to get paid. And I say, okay, look, my first fight in Lumpini as a professional, I get 7,000 baht. Yeah. So I give you 1,000 baht mm. because you fight with, with shin guards, right. hand protection. So you fight amateur. I give you 1,000 baht, you know, for your fight. And they're like, nah. We don't want that. We go play DJ. So now, but I think I'm going to do in 2020. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I mean, there's a, new, there's a whole new set of DJs coming, exactly. right? So yeah, you can just, you know, convince all the new kids. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is a requirement of like, just yeah. to show how tough you are and how good you want to DJ. be a DJ in Bangkok. You have to join this show <laughs> at least once. So what, um, what club will you do that? Life RCA. Oh, I love RCA. Yeah. yeah, I remember it being at RCA. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So it was two seasons. Mm-hmm. So were there, were there any difficulties whilst, whilst you did that promotion? Um, when we did the promotion, not at all. Oh, yeah. I even have, uh, I had the um, uh, permission from WMC and IFMA. They supported me in this. Wow. Because I bring completely new people into the scene. 
and they supported me and uh, yeah I had even the logo of the WMC on it and <laughs> everything and I'm like awesome that's so funny yeah and like none of the DJs pulled out none of the DJs oh, pulled out good on them. I had two DJs Tech Harrington and uh, Rory yeah they hated each other before already so they got into this shit talk on the internet and tech started to really get deep like yeah you're gonna beat me i'm gonna call the immigration on you you this that and and rory wanted to pull out wow and he pulled out and i could not find a replacement mm. so i talked to rory and i say hey brother listen i know i don't agree with what happened but please if you will overthink your uh, choice yeah. if you will rethink yeah rethink you will really help me and he started up he said you know what Zidov you are a cool guy you did everything right actually I don't want to let you down I'm gonna fight wow and they fought and uh, Rory win and after the fight they hug each other and now they are friends you know it's a love story so now they are really it's a love story so now they are playing on the same events DJing sometimes at the same wow. parties so and for me it was just like you see Muay Thai that's what happened you bash each other and then you're friends no yeah it's true no like how you say in the contender or wherever you go like when you do Muay Thai or you fight and it's, it's so exhausting you're both training yeah. so hard for that whatever you do then you instantly respect each other afterwards yeah, yeah. So, if anyone has beef with anyone, you want to make friends. <laughs> Go in a gym, tell the trainer that big gloves, mouth guard in the mouth, and punch each other for 10 minutes in the face. Don't go too hard and hug each other after. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what do you think about the fight scene now in Thailand compared to the rest of the world? I love it. Really? Yes. Don't you feel like in around the world, it's like, it's really being boosted up like it's being more promoted it's it's more it's, recognition it's boosted up of course but uh, don't forget we live in thailand yeah. muay thai is here already for two thousand years for us it's nothing new right right we don't see the grow of muay thai that much like other people see it in other countries yeah that's true so this why we see in other countries it's grow much more mm -hmm. but i mean look how many events we have max muay thai we have mx muay thai we have muay extreme we have this we have every single week great shows yeah we do like every weekend is like mm -hmm. so many promotions yeah. now yeah i think it comes in waves so. mm -hmm. like you see a lot of promotions coming and going yeah but yeah. i think the ones right now they're pretty solid yeah the, i like them the one at Ch channel eight i think the owner of channel eight actually promotes the, the fight himself so he like he has the sponsors yeah he has everything yeah. set up yeah and it's good such a good location near kalsan oh so like Beautiful, it's packed right? it's packed out with farangs every night yeah i love it yeah all right so uh let's go back into the, the talking a bit more, more about the gang life mm -hmm. um we recently exchanged comments about cannabis yeah and the hype about cbd mm -hmm. which is the medicinal component of cannabis right yes. which is what people are getting excited about like how how the cbd component can like help people with Parkinson's and many different things, yes. which is very true. It is. It is true. It is. But then there's also a bad side, a dark side to it as well, right? Um, look, there is always a bad side to everything. Without yin, there is no yang. Okay. And I smoke weed since I'm 16 mm -hmm. daily. 
And it's fine for you. And it's fine for me. I train. I I don't smoke on the day of the fight or maybe. <laughs> That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, two three days before the fight or before the competition, I didn't I didn't smoke, but after the fight, I smoke because it healed my body. I think double speed. Mm. Triple speed, and I could go training very fast. Okay, I had not only the CBD; I had the THC as well. Right. That's the component that makes you high, right? The CBD doesn't make you high at all. That's just for really good for your body: anti-inflammatory, depression, anxiety, uh, Parkinson recovery, yeah. recovery, muscle recovery. Amazing, uh, amazing product. And I'm actually very happy that this comes back because this was hundred of year ago in every pharmacy, mm-hmm. right? You could buy THC oil, weed oil, hemp oil in every single pharmacy in Switzerland, around the world. Really? I mean, I do know, like maybe like the tribes back in the day would use a lot of these like herbal could, plants you, and stuff, back and in they'd the days, use that as medicine, and that's back, for sure. Yeah, back yeah. in the days, this was medicine. Yeah, but then we also talk about like how some people who have like a, a an under, underlying gene mm-hmm. that could trigger psychosis if yes. they use cannabis. But then again, cannabis has different strains. One strain has more THC. One strain has less THC. One strain has only CBD. Is only made for CBD. So THC. If it's too high and too strong, in some people can get psychosis. I know that I had some family members mm-hmm. who smoked and got really in a deep, deep, deep hole because of weed, right? And stopped, and it's now good. Oh wow! You know, oh, so he but recovered. Taking CBD sometimes, right? You know, and have to take now other medication because. He cannot take THC because that makes him crazy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a very, very um, how to say difficult topic. Yes. People need to see how their body react to it. You know, if they like me, my first joint, I loved it. I was like, oh man, that's the best feeling. My friend, he puked mm. and he never touched it again since then. Yeah. Right, so different different people, different bodies. Exactly, it doesn't work the same for everyone. No, which is what I'm trying to get at because now in Thailand is becoming a bit of a hype, mm-hmm. like they're doing like a marijuana festival or something like this. But it's still classed as a class A drug here. But this, but there is certain laws where you can use the CBD no, as medicine, and can, that's legal. You can have the medical card. Yeah, have, and then that's legal. Yep. But then. The whole thing, recreationally, is still classed as a class A drug. No, they changed it. Oh, they changed it already? I think they changed it to class B right now. (laughs) Okay, well, what I'm just saying is that um, you need to be educated a bit more about what you're using. This for sure. And also the source of where you're getting it from as well. This is very important. I mean, we, we, we just heard recently like the way pen in America people die because they smoke fake oil. You need to know where you get your stuff from. It, it needs to be a legit company mm-hmm. that has 
certificate for all of that stuff and then it's then then it's okay you know but how i say the cbd doesn't make you high at all doesn't have this effect at anyone i know and even um my friend has a shop in switzerland mm -hmm. cbd and he tells me his customers are 50 up yeah yeah because it helps with their pains pains inflammation ligaments everything they mm -hmm. just feel much relaxed yeah so like that's what i'm saying so he's probably got a, a good pure sauce mm -hmm. but there is like dangers around like I, i i heard recently there's like a lab in china that they create fake cannabinoids yeah and that's dangerous as well as like sometimes the growers if they're like underground growers they'll spray the plants with Pesticide. whatever pesticides and all these different chemicals which can interact yeah so a lot of these things can be yeah. dangerous but yeah um, I think the places in Thailand where it's illegal is like some certain hospitals are doing like things with it. Yep. Some universities are doing things with it. So you really have to know where you're getting the stuff from and how it reacts with your own body. Yeah. And, and especially you have to see the Thai product is not that at that point yet. Right. I had a meeting with few people and I had the Thai product, the first batch in my hand. And it was, it was fun. It was fun because I talked with them and I asked them a few questions and they could not answer me these questions. I'm sure. And I was like, okay, you need to learn a lot. <laughs> you know, like... It's true. You're still on the beginning of, of the phase. Please don't rush. You know, like, this needs to be really strictly, like, professionally done. I know it's big money behind. Don't get in the hype of the money. Get it real done. And then Thailand could even later on um make it like kali make it legal 21 mm -hmm. years old and what do you think what's going to happen if in thailand weed will be legal from 21 year old you will have a new complete new tourism <laughs> that's very true very you will have millions true. of people coming to thailand just because you can smoke weed now in mm. thailand But as you said before, like, yeah, be careful of the people just jumping onto it. Of course. Just because someone is like a scientist or, you know, like a doctoral level in, in chemicals and stuff like that doesn't mean that they're an expert in marijuana. No. So, yeah, like they need to be aware of who they're yes. working with. Yes. They need experts in that area. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so you're also a ambassador of sport is your gang yes yeah i'm ambassador of sport is your gang i doing a lot of charity events for uh, with ifma mm -hmm. uh, where we build uh, gyms under bridges oh, or really? playgrounds and try to get kids there together um, offer them meals there if they don't have food and stuff oh, nice. so i'm i want to say like that i want to give sometimes back you know to the to the community Because I I know how hard it can be. Right. I mean, you were like that when you were young. So, of course, you've been there, you've seen it, and you know how you can get out of it Yes. As well. And don't forget, I choose to be there. They don't. Right. You know, they are there because they don't have other choice. I choose to be in the gangs with my friends. Mm -hmm. My dad, my mom, they had work. They was hardworking people in Switzerland. They had, they take care of me and my brother really good mm -hmm. so it was nothing about them it was wow. just me who was the black sheep in the family and who didn't want it you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this is why i try to give these kids something back because they don't have right you know yeah and i think that's 
that's more important than any title. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because you're, you're impacting so many other people. Yeah. yeah you're changing lives. Oh, awesome. And uh, right here is your book. Yeah, I, this book is a little bit older already. It's the German version. But it's recently published now. In English. Oh. In German, it's already three years out. Right. So we, we had, I think, three, to th- uh, three or 5,000 copies, and they all sold out in German. Wow. And, of course, because of the contender and everything, I have an English audience as well, so I wanted to Get translate it in English. But this is a lot of work. and <laughs> Expensive. Expensive and needs a lot of time. And yeah, it's finally out in English. Uh, people can order on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Ebook, hard copy. And yeah, here you can read all this little bit detailed sure. about my drug criminal career, about my child gangsterhood in the school and all this stuff, how I get kicked out how I steal cars and had collision with police because I, they blocked the street and everything, you know, like, yeah, there is some wild, wild stuff in it. So please be 18. (laughs) (laughs) Um, how long did it take you to write that? I didn't wrote it alone. You had, I had had friends and, um, it took us, I think six months to make the German version. And it took us almost a year to make the English. Mm. Because in the English, we have three more chapters. Oh, wow. About Bangkok now, too. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Bangkok has him now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, was it your idea to write the book or did someone approach you? It was my idea. Mm-hmm. But someone approached me and s- gave me, give me the push. Good, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I can imagine, like, having a more of an active sort of lifestyle to sit down and write a book is probably going to be quite difficult because <laughs> I think about doing it as well and I'm like God, I don't know if I have the you patience know, to like you know the worst part is you have to read it again yeah. <laughs> you know? and you have to read it because yeah. if there is mistakes it's going to be bad later yeah. so I had to read it you know and I seriously I never read a book in my life yeah my own book is the first book i read in my life i always said why should i read i can watch it at some point on a tv (laughs) you know so no oh my god that's so funny (laughs) it's so true though yeah and like um so the even the english one with with more chapters yeah so you had to read that as well of course so you're you're on your way to reading books will there be a second edition um you never know i'm we having actually talked to doing a movie. Oh, awesome. But it's somehow in Switzerland, that's the people they don't want that really promote. If it's like a documentary style. I talked with my manager and I think there could be a chance in future also to talk to Netflix to make a series. Oh, series. But yeah. not like about my book, just take ideas. Yeah. You know, to make something. No, yeah, definitely. But yeah. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. So where can you find it? Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can find it on Amazon. Bad Boy. That's now the German. It's on English there. Buy it. <laughs> it's cheap. Only $4 something. $3. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah I want to keep it cheap. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to add? Am I missing anything? Um, Im- any important or 
are things that stories that stand out that you want to mention? Yeah, go support your local Muay Thai gym. I agree Show some that. love. I agree with that. Yeah, and how can people follow you? <sighs> how many? How can how can people follow? Oh, you? how can people follow yeah. me? Yeah, on Instagram, of course, Zidofakuma official. And yeah, official. And uh, on Facebook, Zidofakuma. Found one of the fan pages or found me my private page. If I can add you, <laughs> it's full already. Last question: Akuma. What is Akuma? Japanese. Yeah. And it means devil. Devil. Yeah. Devil, um. devil, <laughs> devil, demon. Yeah. Right. And uh, Akuma Matata, no. <laughs> Akuma Street Fighter. Right. From the game. Mm. The Thai boxer was named Akuma. So I got this. I stole this. Hey, why not? It sounds good though. I'm the only Zidoff one. Akuma. Right? Sounds it, good. It, I think it sounds okay. So I'm happy with it. All right. Well, thank you, Zidoff, for coming on the show. Thank today. you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please hit the like, subscribe button, and follow the Jade Marissa podcast. Kafunka. <laughs>